0: All right, this is News Talks on the Record with me, Richard Chambers, in for Kieran today. Now, for the latest edition of Hidden Histories, we're going to look at the debate about what to do with some of the buildings of the 1960s and 70s. In relation to this, a new book, SOS Brutalism, has made a global impact, arguing that the world's brutalist architecture, as it's known, deserves not only to be saved, but championed. So, in Britain, planners and architects are waging war on the buildings of the 60s and 70s that they now view as out of touch and a little bit ugly. While brutalism has gained a cult following, among others, who see beauty in its harsh nature. So, what should happen to Ireland's brutalist buildings? Well, Donald Fallon is here. Donald, good to see you again. Good to see you again. Donald, for people who don't know it, I mean, what exactly is brutalism and why is it now under threat?
1: It's a very controversial school uh, of architecture and some of its great critics would include Prince Charles. Prince Charles said, you have to give it to the Luftwaffe. When they knocked down our buildings, they didn't replace them with anything more offensive than rubble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to go one better than that, uh, back in December 2016, the British Transport Minister, John Hayes, he upset many people uh, by claiming that brutalist architecture was, quote, a cult of ugliness and aesthetically worthless. Uh, and not for the very first time in his life. You know, John Hayes was totally wrong. But he, <laughs> tapped, he tapped into something broader. There is a kind of massive tension around brutalism. Uh, and in an Irish context, I think it's always been particularly controversial. But I think what we have to do in this country is forget about the buildings. I think the reason they're controversial here is where they were constructed. Mm. Things like Wood Key, the Central Bank, the ESB headquarters and the like. And internationally, it's in, it's, in a, in, it's in a lot of trouble. It's hard to define just what brutalism is. What we're talking about really is an architectural style that's defined by bold, kind of structurally innovative forms using raw concrete as the primary material. And the origins of the term are in the French language, describing those materials. And I think really its heyday, arguably, was from the 1950s up to the mid-1970s, and the brilliant this is the best name I've ever heard <laughs> the best name I've ever come across the brilliantly named Barnabas Calder is written uh, a celebration of the form he's described it as being, quote, the high point of architecture in the entire history of humanity, one of the greatest ever flowerings of human now, creativity. Now, now, and now, I, I, I'm a man for big statements, but yeah. that is the biggest statement that's ever like, made. That's like a, a North Korean match report, yeah. isn't it? And <laughs> While I'm very much a fan of brutalism, I think uh, Barnabas might have piled it on there a little bit. I'm not sure. It's
0: a little <laughs> bit thick, isn't it? It's a little yeah. bit
1: thick. <laughs> I'm not sure of such high praise, but it's still a very fresh take on things, you know, and I think mm. it could only have happened at the time it happened. After the Second World War, everything was changing in society. And it's not a coincidence, I think, that this style comes into being in the late 1950s. Mm.
0: And it is. I mean, I think I I like it. I do like brutalism. I do like the harsh edges of it and the concrete. Because I think cities and architecture, they're made up of... Different
1: periods, and it's
0: great to have things that you can point back to. It's like, well, when when was that built? Yeah, why was that built
1: there? And actually, one of my one of my favourite cities in the world that I hate to criticise in any way, shape, or form is Edinburgh. Mm. But I think a fair criticism of Edinburgh is the way they've divided their city. You know, there's the old town and the new town. I like when when the generations just fall on top of each other, yeah. and that's kind of what happens in Dublin. You can have a Georgian 18th century building sitting beside a brutalist one. Talking about architecture on the radio is very bolting too, because people can't <laughs> We're see. We're innovators here, People Donald. can't yeah. see the buildings, so. Let's list a few of them. People might know them. The, the, uh, maybe the most famous brutalist building in these islands, the Barbican in London. Mm. Barbican is an incredibly beautiful building, one of the most photographed buildings in London. Uh, Also, you know, you have the, the City Court building in New York, Boston City Hall. Often what you find with these, I think, is that they're government institutions. Uh, our institutional clients have built them. I don't know why that was but that's what they tend hmm. to be. Also universities. I don't want yes. to give any listeners terrible flashbacks of their youth but University College Dublin. Yes. You know, an awful that lot. That was of- the
0: first thing that actually came to my mind when I were talking about this, uh, Donald and I remember we used to call it like, it was like, this is like something out of the Eastern block, isn't it? It's all <laughs> these mad concrete steps and these, like even the old arts blocks. To have the arts block be this yeah, big grey con- concrete building it just seemed... A beautiful bit of irony.
1: As a proud kind of uh, graduate of University College Dublin, someone who teaches there from time to time, I think moving out of Belfield was a disaster. Yeah. I think losing Earls for was a real disaster for the university. But it's in that kind of time, the 50s and 60s, universities were expanding very, very rapidly. I think brutalism was low cost. There was an ease of construction. So Belfield would be probably the most famous example of brutalism yeah. uh, for many people that are listening to this today.
0: Yeah and I mean I mentioned there that it's sort of been tied to the Eastern Bloc is the way we used to slag it so it's unfairly this type of architecture brutalism it is, it has become synonymous with the USSR and communist Russia and all that sort of thing. Which hasn't is it? funny
1: because you find it all over the world. Yeah. But for some reason, it's kind of, it's, it's the Soviet Union in popular folk memory that this thing is associated with. Because I think maybe it feels a little bit cold to people. But we probably need to forget Moscow and look more to London because in London, it's, you can buy a map of brutalist buildings in London. It's actually like a tourist attraction now. People nice. go around and look at these things. And I think the, the architectural digest have it right. They said, in an age when gentrification is a dirty word, these hulking masses represent an extraordinary period of incredible optimism and determination to use architecture to, to transform society. London treats its brutalist buildings with care and respect. With dozens of these structures now heritage listed, it has become a haven for the concrete explorer. Manchester as well. Yeah. Manchester is dotted by beautiful brutalist buildings. So for me, when I think of brutalism, it's, it's northern English cities like, like Manchester and Liverpool and London and the south that come to mind for me.
0: Yeah, it's funny that when you talk about now that they have maps out for Brutalist London and people can't walk around it and stuff. It's kind of what you associate. This is like what Renaissance architecture is in Florence. It's just so different. I mean, I could do that in Florence and I really like a lot of Brutalist architecture. I just don't think I could go you know what? <laughs> I'm going to spend the day trotting around London <laughs> suppose- looking at big old... Bricky buildings. In Dublin,
1: you might spend the day looking at, you know, James Gandon's stuff, the Custom House, the Four Courts, King's Inns. Mm. But for young people in London in particular, there's a great romance around brutalism at the yeah, moment. It seems to be. What about in Ireland now? I mean, there has been, as
0: you said at the, at the outset, there's been a bit of a backlash yeah. against it here location, as well, Location, that? location, location. Yeah. And it,
1: its main champion in Ireland was uh, Sam Stevenson, who was a brilliant architect in his own right, but very, very controversial. His buildings always fell victim to controversy because of either planning issues or where he put them. And what's funny about Sam Stevenson is he was, Dublin history ran in his veins. You know, he was related to a 1916 veteran, founder of the Communist Party as well, uh, a champion of the old Dublin society, uh, his father. So he, he came from a family that were very much ingrained in the city of Dublin, in the revolution and in history. But then the buildings that he constructed, the central bank, ESB, Wood Quay, all of them in some ways involved a direct confrontation with history and none more famously of course than Wood Quay I mean Wood Quay was literally built on top of Viking Dublin I can't I can never get over that I mean I really can't
0: when you think about the history of the place that was there and they just threw this thing up on top of it and I mean I don't really I don't have any great hatred for the building that is Wood Quay now Um, but I just think that like it's just an extraordinary decision to throw that up on, t- on top of what was you know,
1: the birthplace of our city. Phase one, Stevenson's piece, is known kind of locally as The Bunkers. Mm. And I actually quite like it. I just, I just wish it was somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> was that's it. That point. Just
0: move it 200 metres
1: down the quay. It would have been perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think because Stevenson did that, I mean, that site was actually occupied by protesters. Uh, James Plunkett, who wrote Strumpet City. Uh, Dennis Larkin and Donald Nevin from the unions. Usher Kelly, the sculptor. Michael Scott, mm. the architect. And Michael O'Leary. Not Michael O'Leary of Ryanair, <laughs> if anyone's wondering. Michael O'Leary, the Labour Party TD. They were among the people that occupied that site and tried to stop that from being built. So I think people were never going to judge that building fairly. No. you know That building doesn't stand on its own merit. That building is riddled by controversy because of where it is. It's
0: funny because that is all you ever hear about that building. Yep. Is If you ever talk to her, if you're ever walking around Dublin with your with your mates and you're just walking past it and you're like... Jesus, isn't it mad that they built that on top of what was there? Yeah. And it's the same, I suppose, with the ESB headquarters when they put that there and mm. they knocked down all the, the Royal Georgian Jordan houses. B- and
1: ironically enough, that's now gone. Yeah, you know, we knocked down Georgian houses to build the premises for the electricity supply board. Now we're knocking that down to build fake Georgian houses mm.
0: outside of Dublin. Though there are, there are some better ones. Uh, there's
1: magnificent yeah. ar- architecture around this country. The Ulster Museum uh, in 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 Belfast it's a, it's addition from the from the 60s. McLaughlin and Harvey Limited did it, designed by Francis Pym brilliant architect sometimes surprising buildings though the telephone exchange in Mm. anyone in Nace listening go down and have a look at the telephone exchange Uh, but I suppose in an Irish context the problem often seemed to be that when you build something new and modern sometimes it was at the expense of the old so Fitzwilton House by the Canal that was very controversial looks like it's going to go now uh, in, in, in the years ahead. And Unchin McGowan, the great architect, he said, a whole passing genre of veterans who are deemed to have outlived their usefulness are now, in the veterinary sense, being put down.
0: Mm. You know, it
1: felt like old architecture was always cleared at the expense of the new. Yeah. I mean, why is it coming back into style? Why, why are young
0: people, as you say, getting this romantic notion about brutalism?
1: And it's happening everywhere from, mm. from California to St. Petersburg, from San Diego to... Johannesburg it is back in fashion and even the New York Times I don't know if the New York Times is the barometer of taste anymore (laughs) who knows the the New York Times proclaimed brutalism is back uh, and they said that preservationists now clamour for their survival historians laud their ethical origins and an independent public has found beauty in their rawness and maybe it's just I mean when you look at what's been built in this country in the last 20 years mm. a lot of the celtic tiger stuff that went up some of it's already coming down yeah. and will not be there into the future maybe people are finally starting to accept that brutalism you know they may be thought these buildings wouldn't last some of them like hawkins house haven't a lot of them have
0: yeah and a few of the other ones alongside hawkins house as well seem to be mm. under threat now do we need to just rethink what we what we think we, we know do. about modern building
1: architecture yeah. and there was a beautiful article in the irish times uh, by frank macdonald uh, early this week and he kind of highlighted how you know, 20th century public housing schemes in Dublin. They're now talking about delisting some of them. And some of them are gorgeous Art Deco buildings, you know, built Mm. in the 1930s. uh, Herbert Sims, who was Dublin's great housing architect, some of his buildings now are at risk. So when we think about architecture in this city, we can't live in the Georgian age forever. And we should save as much of Georgian Dublin as we, as we can. It's worth preserving. If we destroyed of course, enough yeah. of it. You know, we can't live in the Georgian age forever tempting as that may sometimes be. And we need to start seeing the merit of the city, the built landscape of the 20th century as well. And this book, SOS Brutalism, it's, it's great because I think it will open up bigger debates here and elsewhere on the meaning of those buildings.
0: Mm, I hope so. I mean, there are some just great examples as you've mentioned there, even in terms of social housing. Some of those great designs there by, by people like Sims, as you mentioned, they are actually fantastic. There's something uniquely Dublin about them as there well. they is. Isn't you,
1: they're they're very much influenced by kind of public housing in Amsterdam and Rotterdam. But walk around the back of the Four Courts, look at Chancery Chancery House. That housing scheme, if that's not part of the built landscape of Dublin if that's not an architectural gem there isn't one in this city
0: here, here, okay good stuff my thanks to Donald Fallon author of the Come Here To Me blog and book volume 2 which is of course in the shops that's it for me today Kieran is going to be back next Sunday Off the Ball is up next here on News Talk my thanks to today's production team Rosheen Davis and Stephen Jordan uh, Jojo Cardozo was on sound and now to play out today it's Stevie Wonder's birthday today born in 1950 so he is 68 today uh, not going to play out his happy birthday song it's a bit too obvious so I'm going to play out with this Another star off songs in the key of life. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday.